Hello and welcome back to What Goes Bump in the Night. This is your host, Trevor Jensen. And I'm Riley Clark. And this is episode 17. And boy, oh boy, do we have some good ones for you today. That's right. We got not one, but two. Woo! We got two. We got two. Two stories, again, from the No Sleep Reddit forum. If you haven't checked it out yet, check it out. Otherwise, we'll just keep reading them to you because they're fire. I love it, so if you don't love it enough to go find it, you can always get it here. Without further ado, we're going to dive right into the first story by Mortify More. It's titled Route 27. Dun dun dun. (laughs) This is one of those campfire stories that just exists. One that seemed to leave the darkness of forests and sit down at crackling campfires. The characters, the settings are different, but the wrongness in each retelling never changes. Of course, it isn't my story. I'm not involved in its roots or the current cast, just a wrenching reteller. I break it out after cold night s'mores, hoping to infect some of the scouts with goosebumps. (laughs) But sometimes I get a few adults too. And sometimes on the coldest nights where I'm left with the dying flame, I tell myself the story and feel those jitters too. Rod 27 cuts through the Daniel Boone National Forest like a winding snake amidst tidal waves of ivy, the green hills bobbing up and down and filling the mist before the orange morn. If you're ever driving through it, you'll know what I mean when I say it's overgrown. So overgrown, there's more green earth than blue sky. So the overgrown, that man's structures are covered in blankets of emerald ivy. Even the ivy strangles ivy. I've driven through Route 27 a few times, and on one occasion, I saw an abandoned truck that looked like a Chia Pet at the next bar. I overheard someone saying they had to leave the truck out there overnight for a part, and he wasn't sure how he'd take it back from the world's reclamation. It wouldn't be incorrect to say the forest can hide just about anything. As a result, there's plenty of bad mojo surrounding the place. Hell yeah, sounds like there's weird mojo. Yeah. Trucks are getting overgrown in the forest, and it's like... Like, in a day, kind of? Like, yeah, like, <laughs> that was, I was just going to say, like... He just went to go get parts, and the how, truck's already Yeah, how does that work? It sounds like we're about to find out it's, some super super misty. Oh, yeah, it sounds like something like, that comes straight out of Stephen King novel. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Props to you, Mortify More. There's local legends of strange things in the forest, especially at those hours where the mist begins to rise, a few hours before the sun sings. These legends ring from strange lights, blue and red yellows, to apparitions of strange creatures that seem to sink into the shadows. On occasion, a man lost his dog in the woods, only to have two identical dogs return to him in the same night. But there's one story that's more than just strange. It's downright terrifying. Two dogs? Locals know to stay away from Route 27 after midnight, and even the truckers who pick up stories here and there know it. But sometimes they don't, and they're on a tight schedule and don't want to settle for the night. So I travel through the forest, on the lonesome roads, letting the jitterbugs crawl up their backs and praying nothing comes for them in the night. Usually nothing does. But one particular man found himself in the middle of Route 27 with a broken down truck. His name was Rodney, R.R. Rooney, and he worked for an office supply company and needed to get to Cincinnati the next morning. He had a stint down in Corbin and was already pushing it when he started up Route 27 around 1.30 a.m. And of course, because that's how things go, his semi had an engine failure and stopped dead in the middle of an ivy ocean. Rooney made a call out to the nearby city, but nobody could get out to him till the next day, and that his employers would just have to understand. They told him to get some sleep and lock his doors. 
and not to leave his vehicle for any reason. Rooney wasn't a suspicious guy, but he had a bad experience with random bikers and thugs rolling by. So he took the advice seriously without realizing the thing he should have been looking out for came from the forest, not the road. It was around 4 a.m. when Rooney was awakened by a strange sound. He wasn't sure if the time was accurate because his clocks read four when the situation ended too. But what he did know was that the mist had came up and it made it look like the semi-truck sank in a pool of gray water. From far off, Rooney heard the sounds like metal screeching, like some mechanical machine going haywire through the forest. It screeched and screamed and sent shivers up his spine sounding similar to a fork scraping a plate times a thousand. The trucker swore he thought he was hearing an amplified car crash and waited for the telltale smashing of metal on wood and rock, but it never came. Screeching started to move closer, then abruptly stopped about a hundred feet off, the source obscured by the misty forest. Then Rooney saw a shape sink out of the trees. Rooney would go on to say he felt in a fever dream, one where something feels similar enough that you don't immediately panic, but there's enough wrongness and subtle ways that put you on edge. And even after you wake up, you're not entirely sure if you are awake. It's feeling like everything in the house has shifted half an inch, close enough to the original thing that you don't take notice, but different enough that you start hanging on your toes and reaching for the wrong thing. So when the pale thing came out of the trees, Rooney wasn't scared. What the fuck? What is this <laughs> thing, dude? What the Seriously, fuck? like, it sounds like scraping metal in the woods. It sounds like it's, like, claws on the side of his truck. Yeah. Just, like, walking up and down it. Like, <laughs> like the wor I just get, like, the worst noise ever. Just the way he explains, like, the fork on the plate, like, that is a... Ugh. Oh, that sounds Terrible awful. sounds. Worse than chalk on chalkboard. I don't know, dude. I, I'm pretty, pretty <laughs> on the fence about that one, because chalkboards are... Like the feel of them, chalk in your hands, and then like the <laughs> scraping on the chalkboard is all just as bad as yeah. a plate, if you ask me. I'd honestly rather hear the plate screech, but that's besides the whole fucking point. <laughs> Sidetracked. Yeah, completely sidetracked. But <laughs> oh my god. Like, this thing sounds crazy. Let's I want to say it... it's an alien. It's an alien with huge claws. Alien with huge claws. I mean, that's just my Big old fingertips. I can see it. Big old white gray. <laughs> well, let's figure out what this thing is. He saw the familiar human shape, the arms and the two legs and the head sitting on the shoulders. Even its walk was vaguely familiar. But then Rooney began to see those fever dream details. The body stretched taller. The arms were a bit too long. The legs had some extra joints. It seemed to walk forced as if it wasn't sure how to walk completely. And as it came more into focus, Rooney began to realize this dream was quickly devolving into a nightmare. The thing managed to stumble up to the truck door. It was able to look inside the truck, or it would have been had it any eyes. Yet it must have been able to sense something as it scanned the inside, stopping right on the terrified Rooney. No lips covered the pine needle teeth jutting from the smooth jaws. Then all at once, the same metal scream surrounded Rooney's ears and he was watching as the truck door was torn off its hinges and flew out into the mist. The thing stood in full focus. Rudy had never seen anything like it. He didn't care it was supernatural or extraterrestrial or hellbirth. He felt his skin roll up like scraped wood, and to save his sanity, he chalked it up to an alcoholic hallucination, despite him not having a drink in three days. The thing then reached in with its arms, pale and hairless, and gentle and grabbed Rooney by the shoulders, 
Then with incredible strength, it lifted him from the truck and cradled him like a babbling baby. It smelled the flowers, damp and limp flowers, flowers that were swept away in great black floods and found their way to the bleak swamps, yet retaining enough of their sweet smell to be hinted at, like recalled dementia lost dreams. The thing took him deep into the forest. It had a den of sorts, way past the misty trees where nobody would know. And in the pitch black night underneath the thick canopy of trees and vines, Rooney could only be still as the thing carried him towards its makeshift home. But he felt a burst of panic when he felt the wet flaps brush against his face, like damp curtains drenched with dew and summer drizzles. But what caused the panic wasn't the wetness. It was the taste of said wetness. And the second it brushed against his face, he tasted harsh copper. And that taste instantly took him back to the bar fights he had years ago. The fights that left his nose broken and leaking streams of blood. The taste he got now was blood. The curtains were skins. He realized the thing had decorated its place with skins. And on the next part, I don't tell the scouts, I just skip over them. But when a bunch of guys come down here to the bonfire for a few beers and want something to ignite their adrenaline, I let them know the full story. Because the story always been there waiting for new visitors. The thing put the bumbling and shivering trucker down and began to strip him. In a few minutes, he stood naked, cold, and beyond the point of forming words. He blurted out cries and whines and knew for sure he'd be hanging on the branches soon. He wondered how the thing flayed skin and began to sob. With soft caress, the thing rubbed a slick palm across his body and got the feeling it could feel deeper than just his skin. It left nothing untouched, it had no preferences, nor pervish actions. It was a surgeon looking for the cut. Something happened to this day those who hear the story don't quite understand, and it makes me wonder how Rooney felt. Maybe Rooney's tattoo-free skin wasn't interesting enough, or the thing had a change in heart. Maybe it felt pity for babbling and shivering Rooney for whatever reason. The thing stopped touching him and picked him back up and began to walk. He felt the filleted skin against now all over his body, but like a lick of some condarbrous hound and continued to shiver in the mince cold. As his abductor continued out of the forest to the road, the truck still had its driver's side door torn off and the thing placed him back into the truck then started off back into the forest, never to be seen again. Rooney lay there feeling the brush of fresh air on his left naked side, his skin gleaming in the moonlight from the blood and sweat and tears that managed to crawl across his goosebump rich skin and eventually in a stupor of pure fear inability to reason and fell asleep thinking about the thing's teeth and the smell of the waterlogged flowers and he wondered how fresh that skin must have been to be so wet in the morning the mechanic drove down just to find a passed out naked man covered in dried blood with the torn truck door 20 feet away, and he naturally called the police. Rooney was placed in a mental hospital for his troubles, but eventually was let go for good behavior. He's gone to live a normal life and even has driven on Route 27 again. He avoids that patch that cuts through Daniel Boone like the plague. And when people ask why he stutters and the looks of terror come back to him, sometimes he gets the story out in patches of coherent thought and manic heavy breaths. He's even been on a few late night radio shows to talk about it. For sure, anybody can find it online now. And those that have heard his story, wonder if it's true or not. The thing, as far as I know, has never been seen again. But sometimes dents of skin have been found, long since dried and abandoned, and the footprints nearby are a little bit off. Nobody looks further into it though. Maybe those awful places have always been there.
So who can say? Is there something out there? Flaying flesh and slaying steel? Eyeless with angler fish teeth? Personally, I don't know. But I wouldn't drive down Route 27 past midnight. And if you do find yourself on that misty road where the vines feed on the moonlight and the overgrowth hides things ancient and horrible, you may meet something that's always been there, waiting for someone new to tell its story. The ancient evil cometh to take your skin. What a fucked up creature. Dude, That that's pretty cool, though. Like, I, why did it stop and bring him back? Like a baby. Yeah. Why? What? Why? Or like, what is it? Like, a what den of skin. I've never even heard of a creature like this. Like, no. I've let, read a lot of lore and mythology, and never heard nothing like this. Mm-mm. That keeps skins and smells In like wet den. flowers. Yeah. What? Like What's up with the smell? Mon- like a swamp monster is kind of. You like would the think it would thing. smell like copper. <laughs> I mean, if it's flaying people and blood everywhere, like I just can't. Like it's delicately stripped him down too. Like what the hell? I just touched him. Like just, just my long, cre- yeah, <laughs> long creepy fingernails. Just... It makes me think of salad fingers. Yeah. <laughs> Don't touch my rusty spins. <laughs> yeah, it's like the real life version of salad fingers. Yeah. Dude, ugh. but scarier. Ugh, I just the, the no eyes and the, like the fucking angler teeth fit. Like you know what I mean? Like ugh. it just like it, it really paints a really good picture of like something that you yeah. would see in a corner of your nightmare and then be like, yeah, I'm right. I'm gonna go hide. Maybe we should go to Route Twenty Seven. We should figure out where this is. Right. Road trip. Daniel Boone National Forest got some creepy things, and guess what? We're gonna say it bumps there. It bumps. All right, this is going to be a hard one to follow up. But with the next one, we have Disney Security is the poster. And this is I work security at Disney World. Well, I mean, I did. I work in security at Disney World, the happiest place on earth. Typically, I wouldn't say where I work, as obviously there are some pretty strict rules about things employees can put online. But I just don't think I can tell the story properly without the context. And honestly, I think this may be it for me anyway with this job. I just cannot see myself working here any longer now. I've been with the company for 23 years. The first 20 years I worked in the parks, nabbing shoplifters and rounding up people who were drinking too much for the heat. Occasionally, there'd be a fight to break up, but people usually kept it pretty mild. The heat and walking around was getting too much for me for the last few years, so I asked to be transferred somewhere with AC, and the company moved me to one of their resorts. While the working conditions were 110% better as far as climate and comfort go, the guest issue the guest issues were trickier, mainly domestics. I guess the expenses and stress of vacation got on a lot of people, and I'd be called by neighboring rooms because some mom and dad were yelling at each other. I'd try to suggest they'd take a nap or go do separate activities for a bit, and that would usually calm them down. But none of that is what I'm here for. I've got to get this out while I have time. Three days ago, I got a call from management. Apparently, a couple of days before that, housekeeping had went into a room that shouldn't have been turned over that day. 
Turned over is when one guest leaves by about 11 a.m. and the next guest checks in at around 3 p.m. And all of our guests' items were still in the room. Housekeeping made a note of it and moved on. But during the next two days, when they entered the room, everything was still there, untouched. I went to check it out, and sure enough, there was an empty room full of luggage, clothes, snacks, some toys, everything a family would need for a vacation. The manager had already looked up the previous reservations, and it was for a family, a dad, a mom, two little kids. I tried to call the phone numbers they'd given, but all I got was voicemail. We were a bit stumped, so I made the call that the housekeeper could clean the room and take the family's personal items to be held until we got contact with somebody. I went digging into the reservations more. The family had arrived five days before the housekeeping discovered all of their stuff. I found that the family had paid a parking fee and their vehicle description was listed. A quick walk of the parking lots and I had easily located their vehicle. So that ruled out a car accident or them deciding to just leave all their stuff behind. Next, I saw that they had bought a dining plan. This is when a guest prepays all of their food. They're given a certain number of credits to use for meals. The family only used three credits and the last one was two days after they checked in. It appeared that the day they arrived, they got here late and probably just stayed on the resort. The next day, they used two credits at the Epcot. The second day, they used one credit at the Magic Kingdom, and it was a breakfast. Now at Disney, we have something called Magic Bands. Magic Bands are worn by guests and act as a room key, park ticket, credit card, dining reservation payment, fast pass, and more. It's like a system to bypass lines and all that good stuff. It took some work but I was finally able to look up the family's fast past history. The day they went into the Magic Kingdom, they had breakfast at a restaurant in the park, rode a couple of rides, and then rode their last ride. It's a small world around 11 p.m. or 11 a.m., my bad. <laughs> then nothing. Finally, it was time to bring in someone else on this. I called an old co-worker at the Magic Kingdom and asked him to pull security footage in the small world at, a time, at the time they wrote it, and I made my way over there. When I got there, my friend was very confused and almost distraught looking. He showed me what he found. There's usually a camera in the direction of where the rides load and unload. The footage showed them scanning their bands to use the fast pass for the ride and boarding the ride. The footage from the exit of the ride just showed the people in the car exiting, and they weren't there. Of course, we thought the worst. Maybe one of the kids had fallen out, and mom and dad and the other kids got off in the middle of the ride to help, and they all got injured or killed or stuck in machinery somewhere. So we shut down the ride in the middle of the damn day, turned off the earworm music, and turned up the lights. Me and my buddy walked that ride three times before we called in help. Eventually, there was a close to 10 cast members searching, and we didn't find shit except for three cell phones and a hat. I was right stumped. I kept digging the past couple of days, and I'm not sure who to tell what I found next to. 
I've called the police and I suppose they're on their way, but the company has ways of covering things up like this, and I've decided I can't live with myself if I don't put out some type of warning. I kept digging into the reservation over the last couple of days, and today I noticed they had perched Memory Maker. There are photographers all over the parks and cameras in a lot of rides with Memory Maker. The photos are all free, they automatically get added to the GIST Disney account when the system knows their picture has been taken, and the system always knows. Everyone's whereabouts are always known with these magic bands. Creepy. It's extremely creepy. <laughs> like, I, I've been to like Epcot into <laughs> Disney World. I've never been to Disney World. Dude, that's, it's amazing. Yeah, but story, that's just really creepy. Like, holy shit. Like, like I can't even, like, get over the fact that it's, like, wait. I guess it's a good what? thing. In this, in this case, it's probably a good thing. Well, it's so believable to have somebody go missing and so... Like, because if you've never been to this place, it's huge. It's fucking huge you could literally go there in the beginning of the morning and you won't even be able to see everything because the amount of people how how many steps you have to take to get to one end to the other it's ridiculous yeah okay back to the story well i opened up the memory maker photo album and i swear there's 732 pictures the first 30 or so are pretty normal epcot a few rides in front of the castle but the rest are all in the small world the ride only takes one picture per go-around, so it appears as though the family has ridden the ride over 700 times. The first picture was pretty normal. Everyone looked happy, it was a busy day, and a full car of guests. The next one is rough to look at. The car is empty, except for this little family, and they look so darn confused. The next 10 to 15, I can see the dad getting angry, yelling, mom is holding on to the two kids, like their life depends on it. And you can see the kids getting increasingly upset, crying, and it goes on, and on, and on. After 50 or so, it looks like they're trying to get out. In the one, the dad is missing. In another, they're all gone. Maybe like they've bailed early in the ride and tried to walk out. But the very next one, they're all right back in the damn car. After around 450 or so, I only see mom and kids. It's just when I look closely, I can see dad, maybe just his body now, slumped down in one of the other seats. Since about 675, there's just mom and one kid, another body, another seat. The mom and the kid aren't moving anymore. I think them two are still alive. Just damn near catatonic. Look straight ahead, pale. And y'all, I swear on my fucking life, the dolls are moving or something in some of these pictures. I can tell they aren't where they should be. I even saw one with a doll in the car with a family. I can't look anymore or I'm going to lose my lunch. I closed the album. It's file sized has increased since. I closed it. God, their new pictures being added. I see on security cameras that the local PD just arrived, so they'll take over soon. I wish I knew what the fuck is going on, but I also wish this damn thing had never landed in my lap. I don't think I'll be able to update this. After I talk to the police, I think I'm going to walk out of here and never come back. I just wanted to get this out there before Disney feeds the media some bullshit cover-up on why a whole family vanished. They didn't vanish. They know exactly where they are. I have goosebumps. That's creepy. I mean, could, dude, could you imagine 
being trapped on an amusement ride for eternity basically or like right. I, I, yeah it sounds like if it's still taking pictures like you're still on it probably like well and it's like in this loop well who's to say because it's they said they were missing for a couple of days you're telling me that they just somehow like blinked out ultimate dimension and they're just riding a ride till they all go catatonic and die holy shit what's up with the dolls yeah and then it's a small world after all I'm just I'm blown away though like that was a really that that so far has been my favorite story I'm, I'm just gonna throw that out there I really really like that story it is good so what's our judgment on it that bumps heavy bumps super heavy Cause it's a small world. Stop, dude, <laughs> Don't do that right It's now. fucking creepy. It's late too, so like, ugh. Yeah. like that. I'm not even joking though when I said I got goosebumps. Like that made me like shiver yeah, for I, a second. I still kind of have uh, some some goosebumps and ugh. wow. Like I, if if you told me that was fake or if you told me that was real, I wouldn't be able to tell the difference. No, if that's a real testimony that someone put on there. Yeah, they did a great job. Great job. Yeah, bravo to the the storyteller once again. Which it's pretty ironic that the per- person that posted this is Disney security. <laughs> <laughs> like I love that. Yeah, it's literally you slash Disney security. <laughs> great, great. Okay. With that being said, those are our two stories for you tonight. And boy, oh boy, I thought that was a treat. I I thought those are the best two stories that we found so far. Yeah, and no joke. We have so many more good ones coming. So many more. This is just the tip of the iceberg. I mean, Titanic's about to get fucked. Yeah, and hey, you guys might be noticing something different going on with our voices right now. We upgraded our setup. Yeah, we got full studio equipment in here now and two freaking mics. I know. So I, we are not sitting next to each other sharing the same mic anymore. Coronavirus ain't getting me. No, social distancing at its finest. Everybody stay healthy though for real it is a real thing still keep washing your hands stay healthy i don't want to hear anybody's getting sick because we just need to go back to living normal lives yes sir okay once again thank you guys for all the love and support continue the outpour of love and listening that you continue to support us with because we love this shit and we're gonna keep bringing it to you and Please, please, please tell us what we can do better or if there's anything else that you guys want to hear. Yeah, if you find a story that we haven't done yet and you think it's killer, send it to us. We will put it on an episode. We may even shout you out. Yeah, we probably will shout you out. We're pretty good at that. (laughs) All right, Riley. Where we get found on? You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify, Podbean, Google Podcasts, Google Play Music. I think that's all of them. And... Older episodes on SoundCloud if you really want to fuck with that. (laughs) (laughs) Make sure to check every Monday and Thursday for new content every freaking week. Whoop, whoop, whoop. We in this bitch. (laughs) And remember, folks, to keep your ears and eyes open for what really goes bump in the nights.